Amen. As we are standing, we can go to the word of the Lord today, the book of Acts, the 19th chapter. In Acts 19, and the word of the Lord says, came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coasts, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, have ye received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto them, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. So it doesn't matter how you were baptized. You need to make sure you are baptized in the name of Jesus. These guys were baptized in another way, whether it be the, the fathers, the titles, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. We see here the apostles baptized in the name of Jesus. And so if you haven't done that, you need to do that because that is a commandment in the Bible that you must be born again, born of the water and of the spirit. Amen. So we have a warm baptism tank. We have a robes. And if you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, you can do that today. If you don't even remember how you were baptized, today is a good day to make it known that I got baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Verse 6, and when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Again, that lines up with Scripture as well. Many other examples where this happened. Amen. And so where they receive the Holy Ghost. It's not good enough just to get baptized. But you need the Spirit of God in you. You need to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives you the utterance. Amen. And so um, today I want to preach today from this title, Devoted Disciples. Devoted Disciples. Turn to you a few people. Greet them as you are seated today. Man, want to remind everyone, uh, we are beginning our consecration today. If you want to grab a form out there, um, we're, we're fasting these next few weeks, and we're reading a book together, the book on prayer. It's out there. Um, if you need it, it's on Amazon. It's There's e-books. There's audio books. Uh, so you can grab yourself a copy. We have more coming, uh, but uh, we want to do this together and uh, get closer together and grow together. Amen. Amen. There are, uh, there are two kinds of people in the world. Those that hear nothing in their sleep and those that can hear a pin drop on the other side of the house while you're asleep. As we age, our hearing ability lessens and uh, there are tiny hairs inside our ears that register these movements and just losing some of these hairs has an impact on what we can hear or not, or even how much we can hear or not. And what can accelerate uh, hearing loss is 
your jobs, everyday things, loud noises. Um, if you work with uh, loud noises, that can obviously accelerate your hearing loss. And um, hearing noises usually trigger a response from us. And we can jump and be startled at an unexpected noise. Uh, something you're not expecting it. You, maybe it's usually at home and everything's quiet and then you hear a pop or a noise or something. It's, it startles you because you hear something. Or the, the sudden cry of a baby will cause a parent to rush to it or take it out. <laughs> the baby doesn't want to go out. Uh, amen. Uh, and so... Uh, you know, it's 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 not that it's a bad thing here, but what's worse is when like 3 a.m. and those that cry goes up. That uh, <clears throat> that really does something to you. And, and so, uh, other things that can trigger us from the things that we hear is the honking of a car horn. Maybe it's your horn that you're laying on, or somebody else's. If it's somebody behind you and they're laying it on for you, you that gets your attention too. Uh, and so that'll hopefully get you to put down your phone and to start looking up and driving. But, uh, but people are noticing uh, that something is causing a, a disconnect uh, between hearing and responding in married men. Somehow there's a disconnect. They aren't sure what it is or what causes it, but it seems to present itself in almost every marriage, a disconnect between hearing and responding. We are helpless victims, so uh, I have succumbed to this mysterious condition at times. I don't know if it's a virus or something, but there's something out there that causes uh, a husband to not hear what's being said by his wife, um, and respond to that. And so we are uh, victims of this, so please pray for us. And um, hopefully it'll, they'll figure it out. Uh, but hearing is, is such a, a powerful sense. And what's even more fascinating is when you look into the science of hearing, uh, that the words that you are hearing now and understand what I am saying from uh, are, are simply from sound waves that are coming from my mouth in a sequence of events. Uh, our brains are able to, to compare the different sound waves at each ear that enter each ear and decipher the difference between them and tell us what direction it is coming from and, and what sounds I am making or, and even uh, the, the different words that I am pronouncing, your, your, your brain is doing this immediately, instantaneously, and you can hear the, the different words that I am saying. The, the sound of an approaching vehicle or an airplane or a helicopter makes a different sound as it passes you by. It sounds one way, this way, and when it passes you, it, 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 uh, it's, it's a different sound. Same vehicle traveling at the same speeds, uh, but as it's approaching, the sound waves are being compressed, and as it passes you, they are not compressed anymore against your ear, that they are actually going away. And so your brain is able to tell you the difference and many times the distance that these things are happening. 
One of the furthest recorded sounds happened in 1883 when a volcano erupted in Indonesia. And people on an island heard the eruption 3,000 miles away. That's like hearing something that's going on in California. I'll just, it just hears, sounds crazy out there, and maybe that's all that's going on. But uh, hearing something that far away, uh, and yet at the same time, those husbands on that island had that medical condition and were not able to hear his wife across the hut. But they heard a, a volcano 3,000 miles away. I don't know. It's a mystery, a medical mystery, I tell you. And so we as humans, we, we deal with hearing loss and its consequences, but aren't you thankful that our God does not have hearing losses? That he, he, are, he, he is able to hear us, that there are not days and times where he is unavailable to, to not hear us. What a tragedy that would be to have to wonder, I wonder if God heard my cry. I wonder if he heard my prayer. I, I hope that my voice made it all the way to his throne. If a volcano can travel over 3,000 miles, I sure hope that my voice and my prayers make it up to heaven where God can hear. And I'm here to tell you today that of all the things to worry about in this life, wondering if God hears me when I call, that is not something that we need to worry about because the Bible tells us he does hear us when we call. He hears us when we pray. He collects our prayers before the throne in heaven. He hears every single thing that is going on and that is uttered, even a simple whisper of his name, he can hear that. Aren't you thankful our God hears even a little bit of whisper all the way across the world, wherever you are, whatever situation, whatever valley you find yourself in, if all you can do is say, Jesus, 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 that's good enough to get the attention of God, and he's going to come there and to be with you because you are a child of his, and he hears you crying. The psalmist said in Psalm 34, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. But the righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. Aren't you thankful that when the righteous cry, God hears you, that he knows your situation. You're not alone in this. You're not alone even though you may feel like it. God is there with you, and he hears your situation, and he hears your cries. But he doesn't just have his ears open for us, as we just read. He also has his eyes are watching over us. Now, maybe that's one of the, where the disconnect is between the husbands and wives. I mean, maybe uh, our ears aren't working, but maybe if our eyes were fixed uh, on her and then we are listening at the same time, maybe that's the answer. I don't know. But that seems what God does. His eyes are on his people and his ears are towards them. And what does he say? He hears their cry. He hears everything that is going on. And if his eye is on the sparrow... And that means his eyes are on you. Don't listen to the enemy and says you're all alone, that God has forgotten you. No, that is a lie. His eye is on the sparrow, and it's on you. He knows when the birds fall, and he knows where you're at. He knows the number of hairs upon your head, and he hears you when you cry. Just don't stop crying out to him. Then he can't hear you because you're not crying. 
And so he's listening to us for every cry, listening to our voice. And it could be just a simple whisper, many even times just thinking upon the name of Jesus. Because the Bible is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And so he knows what we are thinking. And so God is going to hear you. He is going to act as long as we respond and cry out to him. And so we have to uh, continue to cry and to look to him. Second Chronicles says, if my people which are called by my name, anybody here called by the name of Jesus, anybody been baptized in the precious name of Jesus, well, if we are called by this name and we humble ourselves and we pray and we seek his face and turn from our ways, then God is going to hear from heaven, is going to forgive our sins and heal our lands. And now mine eyes shall be open and mine ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. And so if you are baptized and called by the name of Jesus, God hears everything you are saying. And we don't have to worry about if it falls on deaf ears or not because he hears our cry. And so when God hears something from his people, it stirs him into action. Because it's a child of his that is crying out. When, 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 my, when my little kids cry and scream, I know I, I run to them because I know something is wrong. And I know we may not scream and cry like a baby, and sometimes maybe we do, but uh, God is our father and we are his children, and so he is going to hear every time we cry out to him. And um, there is coming a day where you will hear from heaven and where you will see his mighty hand move in your situation. Uh, I don't know when it is for you, but I believe God's going to respond, that God has an answer for you, for your prayer, for your situation, and we got to keep our eyes attentive uh, unto him and our ears toward him. And so it could be today, it could be tomorrow, it could be next week. And so whenever it may be, uh, now is not the time to give up. Now is not the time to quit praying about it because uh, it hasn't happened yet. No, it could, the answer could be on its way. Uh, you just keep on praying, keep on seeking God. Um, fear and unbelief uh, is going to try to get you to stop doing that. But we need to be persistent and consistent with our prayers before the Lord because he hears our prayers. Amen. I think we've established the fact that God hears our cry. He knows our voice. So then let's turn the tables uh, uh, around. Do we hear God? Do we hear his voice or is it just a one-way street? Are our eyes on him? Are our eyes open to hear him and to see Him, his hand work in our lives? You see, we want God hearing us all the time. God, don't stop listening to me. But are we listening to him all the time? It has to go both ways. If if proper communication is really going to work, it has to go both ways. And so what we are expecting of God, uh, we should also be doing that as well to God. We should be attentive uh, to his voice and to his word. Everything that he says, we should be responding to it just as we want him to respond to our words. And so the Bible is filled with stories of of men and women and their encounters with, with God And in the Old Testament, there are only a few written encounters that people actually saw God 
manifested in some kind of form or fashion. And I know that we are a visual people and that uh, that, that really helps us uh, to do things. Uh, but in the Bible, only a few people actually got to see God. And so if you're wanting to see God, uh, maybe take a ticket because uh, I think everyone wants to see God. But Bible says nobody has seen God at any time. Uh, and obviously, God would have to do a special manifestation uh, uh, to reveal himself uh, so that we can see him because God is a spirit. Amen. And so uh, Abraham appears to talk to God as when God was in the form of a man. The Bible talks about in Genesis where three men appeared before him. The Bible says that two of them left for Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Bible states that Abraham stood before the Lord and interceded on behalf for Lot and Sodom. And those two men that ended up in Sodom and Gomorrah, actually the Bible talks about them as angels. And so there uh, God and his angels stood uh, all before Abraham and they all appeared to look like a human form. Uh, So uh, Abraham saw God in some fashion, whatever that was. Um, We are told that Moses talked to God face to face as a man talks with a friend. Uh, being up on the Mount uh, Sinai with God and his face glowing. He had to see something up there. Uh, And so I'm sure God uh, continues to manifest himself to uh, people in uh, many other instances in the Bible. But for the most part, um, uh, we we don't really see God. How much faith does it take to have God pop up in your life? How much faith does it take to turn around and see a bush burning and hear the voice of God uh, speak out of it? It it really doesn't take much faith, right? It's just right there. I don't have to believe for it. I can see it with my own eyes and hear it. Uh, So it really doesn't take much faith uh, when God interrupts himself and reveals himself Uh, But Hebrews tells us faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So if you see it, then you're not really using any faith. Uh, And so faith is needed to see things that you cannot see. If you can see it, you don't really need faith because it's right there. It becomes evidence. It becomes there is the proof of it. Now that I can see it, there is the evidence. I don't need any faith. Uh, and so how is that going to help your walk with God if, you don't need, if you're not using any faith? Because verse 6, it says, without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so not being able to see God requires faith. To live this life that you and I live, since we can't see God, it requires faith. And that is a good thing, right? Because faith pleases God and and we need it. And so uh, we become a stronger believer because of that. Because we are using our faith. If we don't see him, 
uh, because it requires me to stretch beyond my five senses, to reach beyond this natural world, and to exercise my faith and to stand and proclaim, to say something and to speak something in faith that I know that there is a God. I know that God is out there, and I know that he hears me when I cry. We really don't have any evidence of that except the Bible, but we're, we're speaking that in faith. Because we can't say that I've seen God out there, so I know he's out there. It's all through our exercising our faith. And to say uh, that I haven't seen God, but I know that he is real, uh, that is faith. And that is what God is longing for. That is what he's looking for. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And the only way we're going to seek him is through faith. We don't know uh, what it is exactly we may need. When when we were not living for God and we were just uh, wandering around in this world of darkness and uh, we were looking for something, our soul was pushing us and driving us for something and we were trying everything that this world had to offer, but still we found emptiness in it all, but I'm thankful that I was led by the Spirit of God to an apostolic church where I began to feel something different. I couldn't see something, but I felt the presence of God like never before, and I knew that there was something different about an apostolic church, and when people started singing and dancing and shouting, and that's when you get to notice those things and, uh, and notice that they were off their rocker, and pretty soon I fell off my rocker too and joined them, but that's okay. Living for God is so much better than living for the world. I'm glad to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, that I'm not serving sin any longer, that the devil has no longer a hold on me, but I have a hold on Jesus, and he's going to be there and hear my cry. And so I can't see him, but I can hear him because he speaks to us all in a still, small voice. Speak to our minds. If we are, if they are not cluttered with everything else, we'll be able to hear the voice of God. Not an audible voice. Maybe you get to hear an audible voice, but I hear uh, a still small voice speaking to my mind, and uh, it's on my duty and my responsibility that I gotta purge my mind and cleanse it and get rid of all the distractions uh, because it is a still small voice. And if you're listening for it and looking for it, then you will hear it. Uh, and so it's that still small voice that keeps us uh, drawing closer to him and helps strengthen our faith in him because we can't see him, but yet we, we can hear him. Like most believers uh, I haven't seen a, a, a manifestation of God or an audible voice of God, but maybe God's doing something different for you, and that's great. But uh, most people uh, have to reach out in faith and, and answer and respond in faith. Um, but that is the call to us all to walk by faith and not by sight. See, it's not about what we see. It's about what our faith is, 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 is saying. Uh, we can get caught up on our feelings and uh, how we feel today or, or not, but that shouldn't affect our faith. 
if our, if our feelings can affect our faith, what does that say about our faith? Our faith is so weak that feelings can change it around. No, my faith is, is settled in the word of God. It's grounded in the, in, in the word of God that is forever settled in heaven. And so that should not change. The word of God does not change. And so if that is the foundation and the basis of our faith, our faith should not really sway or shift if it's anchored in the word of God. And so um, we see Paul in, in Acts 19 in our text. We see that he arrives in Ephesus, and, and the Bible says uh, that he found there some disciples. Uh, now, we come to know them as uh, the disciples of John the Baptist, uh, but the question is, how did he know that they were disciples? I mean, either, either they were the only 12 men in the entire city that were uh, living for God in that way, or maybe there were many others, uh, but it says he found some disciples. How did he know that they were disciples? I mean, did they walk around wearing a sign, we are John's disciples? I mean, Acts 19, we're talking about maybe about 20 years after John showed up and baptized people. So 20 years later, uh, Paul finds devoted disciples in Ephesus, and somehow he finds out and he knows that they are disciples. Either they're, they're only Christians there, or something else, something caused them to, to believe. Either Paul interviewed every single person and he found, oh, there's 12 of them right here. Uh, they're baptized, they're John's disciples. But uh, the Bible doesn't really tell us what it, what it was, but something stood out with these guys that got the attention of Paul. And uh, he... He goes through the new birth experience. Have you received the, have you been baptized? And have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And uh, they said, we haven't done any of those things. And so uh, as far as they knew, uh, they were living uh, faithfully uh, unto uh, the word of God. And so um, uh, it doesn't matter uh, what we have done, how much we have done in our lives. the message is that there's always something more in God that has for you. He always has something more. It doesn't matter if you're just a, a, bapt, a disciple of John the Baptist. There's something more because you need to be baptized in Jesus' name and to get filled with the Holy Ghost. So no matter where you are in your walk of, of life and your walk with God, I'm here to tell you today that God has something more for you. And if you're hungry enough that you will receive it and God will reveal it to you, whether it's Jesus' name, baptism, or being filled with the Holy Ghost, or or living a holy and righteous life, there is always more out there for God uh, to reveal to us, as we see here that Paul revealed to them. Now, the word disciple means uh, uh, a follower, a learner, or a pupil. It's somebody who is uh, studying under somebody else, uh, a student, if you will. Uh, and so we see these disciples turned out to be disciples of John. But as I had mentioned, John had been uh, uh, 
his, his time on the stage was some 20 years earlier, and he was executed and killed. But yet, still, 20 years later, we see these men that are still faithful. They're still devoted. They're still living their life according to what John preached. Uh, and uh, we know he preached repentance uh, unto good works. And, and so uh, there was something about them that attracted Paul, and he, he, found, he went to them and, and preached the, the truth and the gospel to them. Uh, and so what it is, what, what was it uh, that attracted them? Uh, we, we don't really know, uh, but they must have been living a life that was separate from everybody else. However that played out, maybe they were dressing differently or uh, maybe they were preaching what John was preaching, preaching repentance, and maybe they were baptizing people. I don't know, but uh, somehow Paul found them and, and found that they were disciples and they were not the regular people. They weren't just the regular uh, Jews that were uh, stuck in their traditions, but these were uh, reformed people that were doing something different than everyone else. And, and, but uh, the important thing is, is they remained devoted to uh, their belief in John and his preaching uh, even some 20 years, even they didn't even have the full truth. And so how much more should you and I be devoted and being committed to this gospel when we have received it all, when we understand the scriptures? We've been baptized in Jesus' name. We've been filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues and, and walking by the Spirit. And if these people were devoted 20 years, uh, some 20 years later, we should be even more so devoted because we have more as been given to us than was given to them, and they took with what they had, and they ran with it, and they were not letting go. We don't need to let go of this apostolic doctrine. We don't need to let go of holiness standards. We don't need to let go of Jesus' name, baptism, one God. Why? Because we're going to hold on. We're going to be devoted because the 2,000 years before us, people were holding on to this, and people were preaching the truth, and, and they, would, they would not let go, and so it is on us, as I was talking about out in the Sunday school and, uh, on us to carry this forward to the next generation uh, so that others can be reached and touched and blessed. But we are not, uh, we are disciples. We understand that, that word. I think it's, um, I think it's uh, made popular, made known by Christianity. But the actual definition of disciple can be anybody. There's, uh, you know, uh, Muslim disciples. Any religion, there's going to have disciples. Or, and even, even jobs or whatever, there's going to be disciples. There's going to be students, people that are learning from uh, a mentor or mentee. I mean, uh, the term disciple is a common one and applies, can apply everywhere, but it really stands out in, in, in Christianity as uh, disciples of Jesus Christ. And that's, that is who we are. We are disciple of Jesus, um, not of John but of Jesus. And so what does it mean? What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? If that is what we are, uh, Jesus goes into explanation of what it is uh, to be a disciple of him and what it costs and what it, what it is. And we see in Luke 14, there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother, and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. So that is one qualification right there. You've got a, Jesus said, hate your mother, 
your father, your brothers and sisters, and even hate yourself. Now, if we are claiming to be disciples, is that, is, is that what we are claiming, that we hate our mother and father? And obviously, he doesn't mean the word hate like we mean, like we use it, but maybe we can throw in hate mother-in-law in there, right? No? I love my mother-in-law, so I don't hate her. Maybe we can understand it that way, but uh, he doesn't mean hate them as, you know, uh, as we mean them, but they, we have to love Jesus more than we love our mother and our father. Love Jesus more than we love our sisters and our brothers and our mother-in-laws and father-in-laws. Love Jesus even more than ourselves. we got to love him so much that uh, our affection towards them, it almost seems like hate because our love for Jesus is so strong that nobody else comes close to it and we don't, uh, we, we, we're not moved as much by them as we are by Jesus. That is what a qualification that Jesus says, if you cannot do that, you cannot be my disciple. And, and so that is one of the qualifications and he goes on to say, whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me, cannot be my disciple. So now uh, we also have to bear a cross, carry a cross, and that we know that means uh, self-denial and uh, crucifying our will and our desires and we're dying out to this flesh and carnality and dying out to sin, all of these things that has to be done uh, on a daily basis. Uh, and Jesus says, you cannot be my disciple if we don't do that. If, again, if we want to follow Jesus and if we want to be like him, he carried a cross and was crucified on it. Isn't that what we are saying when we say, I want to be a follower of Jesus? Maybe we don't think about that aspect, but that is what we are signing up for, that we have to pick up a cross and follow him. And so... Um, he goes on to say, For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he hath sufficient to finish it? Lest haply after he hath laid the foundation is not able to finish it, all that behold it began to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and con consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000? Or else, while other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Again, there's another uh, qualification, maybe more of an explanation of the two previous ones. But Jesus says that we have to forsake all in order to follow him. That we've got to let go of everything in order to follow him and to really be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and in a modern world, in a materialistic society, uh, that can cause an issue. That God is asking of me to let go of everything and to come follow him. We see uh, with the rich young ruler who had, who had lots of wealth, lots of things, ran to Jesus and saying, good master, what, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, go sell all you have, give it to the poor and come follow me. And it's the same requirement here. 
It's the same explanation to be a disciple as to, to sell it all. Now, uh, obviously, uh, he's not asking us today to sell everything and to uh, just uh, take up a tent in the back of the church and be a disciple of Jesus. Uh, but we have to not have our hands on it like it's ours. To not be possessive of what we have, even what God has blessed us with, we can get possessive of it because we live in a materialistic world where it's all about gimme, gimme, mine, 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 I want all this. But the, a disciple of Jesus has to be willing to stand up and say, I can let go of everything. If Jesus asked me to give it all up, I can do that because I love him more than I love the things of this world, more than I love my family and my mother and my father, but I can follow after Jesus. Jesus. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, willing to let go of all those things, and we really have to. You have to let go of it all. And he lets us uh, keep things. We ha obviously have to be a, a member of society uh, and be productive, and so we have these things, but we cannot get attached to these things. Otherwise, I guess our discipleship could be at stake if we get attached to the things of this world. And so uh, the question now goes out to us, if we are disciples of, of Jesus, um, uh, what does that mean when somebody uh, comes here or, or, or shows up in your life? Are they able to tell, oh, here's a disciple. Paul was able to tell with these disciples that there was something about them, and he knew that there was, they were disciples of John. And so what does it look like for us when somebody shows up in our life? Uh, are they able to, to tell that we are disciple? They can look at us and say, oh, yeah, I can, I can tell. They're a, they're a disciple. They're a follower of Jesus. They're a Christian, a, a true Christian, I should say, because there's lots of Christians out there, but there's only a few true ones. Um, and so uh, what do people see when they look at us and they can say, oh, I'm, yep, I know, you're a disciple. Say no more. You're a disciple. What are those things in our life? Do we walk around and saying, I hate my mother, I hate my father, I hate my children, but I love Jesus? I mean, if we said that, then if they knew the Bible, then they obviously, yeah, that's what Jesus said. But if you go around saying that, they're gonna, they're probably gonna say, man, he, ain't, I'm, I'm not following him anywhere. He hates his mother. He surely don't like me. Uh, and so, do we, uh, are we walking around carrying this cross that Jesus asks us to carry? And so people out there and say, oh look, there's another guy carrying a cross. They're, they're, they're a disciple of Jesus. We're not doing it physically, and so there's no way that they can actually look at that and, and say there's a, there's a, a disciple, but uh, there's got to be something that distinguishes us from everyone else, right? That people can notice that there's something different about that person, uh, that they are a disciple of Jesus. Uh, John says uh, in 831, then said Jesus to the Jews which believed on him, if ye continue in my word... Then are ye my disciples indeed. And so obviously we have to 
uh, continue in the word of God. We have to be obedient to the word of God and do as it asks and commands. That obviously clarifies our claim to being a disciple uh, of Jesus Christ because you can, uh, a disciple is going to continue in his word. And so uh, just saying, uh, I believe, uh, doesn't make you a disciple because there's more, there's a continuation. You have to continue on after you believe. Uh, you got to be born of the, if Jesus said you got to be born of the water and of the spirit, uh, a disciple says, okay, I need to be born of the water and of the spirit, right? Uh, if, the, if Jesus says I need to receive the Holy Ghost um, and repent of my sins, then that's what I need to do uh, in order to be a disciple because Jesus said if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And so whatever the word of God asks of us, we have to be willing to do that and, and be obedient to that, and that makes us, continues our fellowship with Jesus as a disciple of his. And it's when people feel like they've, they've done enough that growth stops and, and comes to a stopping point uh, where, where things really, you can't progress any further because uh, God is always asking us to go further, to go deeper in the word and deeper in prayer and deeper in, in relationship with him. He's always drawing, the spirit is always willing for us to, to go to a new level with God and we got to respond to that. And, and so uh, we, we, as disciples, we have done that. We have been born again. We have been born of the water and of the spirit. And if you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, as I said, you can do that today and continue and, and, and follow and get closer to Jesus uh, through that. And so we have done that. And so is that something that we do to go out in the, in the world and to proclaim our discipleship? We walk around and saying, uh, John 3, 5, I've done that. I'm a disciple of Jesus. Acts 2, 38 uh, uh, repent of your sins, baptize Jesus' name, fill the Holy Ghost. I've done all that. I'm a disciple. No, we don't really go out proclaiming those things. Uh, and so how are people going to know that we are disciples of Jesus? Mark 16 uh, provides more information. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. And they shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Those are some things that people can actually see and experience and respond to. Um, and those are signs that Jesus said will follow those that believe. And so that can be a good indicator of somebody that is a, a devoted disciple is if they speak in new tongues. If they uh, take up any deadly serpents, which there's a, whole, there's a whole group out there that do that. Uh, they're, they're proclaiming their, their uh, the discipleship, their following of Jesus because it says that, but... Uh, it, they skipped over Proverbs and didn't use any wisdom. Uh, Proverbs says, get wisdom. Above all things, get wisdom. Don't get a serpent, get wisdom. Uh, and so wisdom's going to say, don't go looking for serpents and picking them up and shaking them around. That's what wisdom says, lady wisdom. But nobody listens to lady wisdom either, and so that's why you got those people, right? Uh, but uh, these are some visual signs uh, that are following those that believe. Uh, and so what are the things that people are looking at in our lives? 
do we go around and do we greet people and and speak in new tongues in front of them and say and and then there's oh there's a disciple I mean we don't really do that right I mean tongues is really between us and God mainly uh there's a few uh when God wants to speak to his church and there's an interpretation uh, but tongues mainly is between me and God, my my soul crying out to God, Abba, Father, uh, the Spirit uh, making intercession through me uh, to God. Uh, and so uh, we don't go up to people and, and, and speaking in tongues because we want them to know that we are disciples. But yet that is one of the signs the, of those that uh, believe. We don't, do, we don't pick up the serpents, obviously. Uh, we lay hands on the sick and we pray for them. Uh, we'll cast out devils. Those things we'll do, uh, but it's not like we uh, we run up to them and, and do those things. But if if the opportunity presents itself, then that shows them that you really are a disciple, a devoted disciple of Jesus, because you're willing to pray for them and not just to talk about it. But hey, let's pray for you right now. The Bible doesn't say we can't pray right now, so let's pray and bind together and believe. Uh, and so uh, we all can do that. Every one of us has the Holy Ghost, and we can do all of these things. Um, but is there more to it than just that? There's got to be more to it because uh, the, the amount of times that we're speaking in tongues to somebody or praying for somebody to be sick uh, is... is is not we need more of that obviously, uh, and and that's going to be a, a sign of the revival, right? God pouring out His Spirit upon all flesh, and uh, many signs, miracles, and wonders. Those things are going to be happening. So we got to look forward to more of those things. And if God wants to use you, you got to step up to say, "Okay, Lord, whatever it is that you want to do." And I, as a disciple of of you, that's what I am following after. But there are more things, more signs of a devoted disciple. Galatians tells us the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So here's also some signs, and doesn't Jesus also say, you shall know them by their fruits? So this is another good sign of a disciple is because we will, they will know us by the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance. All of these things should be manifested in the people of God. Right? Because they are the fruit of the Spirit. If we have the Spirit of God and we are allowing him to work in us and through us, these things should become evident in our life. They should be hanging fruit that people can look around and grab a hold of and say, ah, I know that they are a disciple. Why? Because they're so loving. They're so generous. They're so uh, gentle and, and good. And, and, and they're, uh, they're not full of, of anger and wrath and, and all of these things. They're... Uh, because the fruit of the Spirit gives these fruits out. 
And you know fruit. You pick fruit and you eat the fruit. That's what the, the purpose of fruit is. And so a devoted disciple is going to have fruit of the Spirit evident in their life that people can look around and say, ah, I think they're probably a disciple because they're just some, there's different. Not that we're carrying our cross, not that we're telling everyone we hate our mother and father, but the fruit of the Spirit is evident in our lives and people can see that and they know that they are a disciple of Jesus Christ. We need more fruit in our life and therefore we need more of God in our lives. We need to get a hold of Jesus like never before so that he can uh, manifest fruit uh, in our lives. Now, there's tons of churches in here on this road in, in Fort Myers and all across the world. Tons of Christians um, that claim uh, they follow the Lord and uh, hopefully they're open to growth and revelation and, and understanding of the, of the truth of word of God. But if the people out there that do not have the Holy Ghost, what does it say if they are more loving than we are? What does it say if people that don't have the truth are more joyful than us? And I'm not saying we have less joy, but I'm just posing the question uh, because that is the fruit of the Spirit, love. If we have the Spirit and they don't, shouldn't our love be so much greater than their love? Shouldn't our peace be so much more evident than their peace? Shouldn't our joy be that much more than people who don't have the Holy Ghost? Uh, and so that's why when we come in here in the presence of God and begin to worship, all of these things should be manifest. Why? Because we're connecting again with the Spirit of God, and the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and meekness and faith and all of these things, they should be everywhere in our life. This is one of the main indicators that should be evident, especially between a spirit-filled believer and a non-spirit-filled believer. There should be no question. Line, line us up with uh, somebody else who hasn't been filled with the Holy Ghost, and we should have more love. More joy, more peace, more goodness and meekness and long-suffering. All of those things. Why? Because it doesn't come from us. It comes from the Holy Ghost. It comes from the Spirit of God. It's nothing that you and I can do. It's just a fruit. It's a byproduct of our walk with God. And it should be eminent in our life as, as Jesus said, you shall know them by their fruits. And so the fruit of the Spirit should be those things that identify us to the world, and to each other as we are disciples of Jesus. Musicians, if you would come. And so those are uh, fruits and, and signs of a devoted disciple of Jesus, and that should be eminent and evident in our lives all around, even the more so. Uh, and so John 13 and 34 says a new commandment I give you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. And by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. I think Jesus kind of took all of those, the fruit of the Spirit, and he, it seems like he put one at the top. He says, by this, that 
everybody is going to know that you are my disciple. You don't have to broadcast it. You don't have to pick up snakes. You don't have to put signs and, and do all these things. You don't have to do all these things. Jesus said, by this one thing that they will know that you are my disciple, and that is what? Your love for one another. Why didn't he say that everyone will know you're my disciple if you've been baptized in my name? Why didn't he say everyone will know you're my disciple because of the way you dress? Frankly, there are, there are people out there who dress more modest than we dress. So if it was about dress, then we were beat. But the one thing he said that is evident, somehow it's evident to everybody, is that your love for one another, that is the one thing that other people will know, that you are my disciples. And which is, which is interesting because we are filled with the Spirit. We have the fruit of the Spirit, but also the Bible talks about gifts of the Spirit. And so we, being a Spirit-filled church, we're, 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 all, we're plugged into the Spirit, and we're, uh, we want to get connected even more and, and to a greater depth uh, with the Spirit. And so to us, the Spirit is everything, and it is. Without the Spirit, there is no resurrection. There is no new life. There is none of these things without the Spirit. But, but Jesus doesn't say that they will know you are my disciples because of the Spirit. Why did he say that they will know you're my disciples because of your love for one another? It has to be something. There has to be something to that. Because us being spirit-filled believers, we understand the power of the spirit and, and the speaking in tongues and interpretation and, and the prophecy and, and the gifts of faith and gifts of healing. We understand, and, and that's how we operate. That's how we move as, as a believer, as a child of God. That's how we're, we work in the church and do all of these things and, and, and impacts and, 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 and touches and edifies the church and all of these things. But that's not the thing that Jesus said people are going to know you by. Obviously, they come in here, they'll know that this is, this is a spirit-filled place. But uh, he says something that by our love for one another, not by how much we speak in tongues, not by how much we prophesy, not by how much we pray for one another for healings and deliverance and, 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 and edification. And, and again, we do all of those things. We have to. That's, that's a part of who we are. But that's not the thing that Jesus said people are going to know you by. And being a spirit-filled uh, church, we can, we can easily get caught up in that, that uh, it's by our tongues that they're going to know who we are. But that's not what Jesus said. And frankly, one of the, the greatest disciples who, who taught all of us through his writings in the New Testament, what does he say? He says in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. He speaks in tongues. We're not, we're not arguing about speaking in tongues as a sign of, of whatever. It says, though I speak with tongues of men of angles and have not love, 
I am become as sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. If we get caught up in the tongues, but we don't love our brother, what does that mean? What good is that? How does that benefit anything? Although I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and, and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, what, what more can you have but all, all prophecies and all knowledge and, and mysteries and understand? Uh, there's nothing left, and you have all faith. I mean, you've got everything so that I could move mountains, but I have not love. I have nothing. I am nothing. And I know we, as a spirit-filled church, we are focused on the infilling of the Holy Ghost because that is key, that is essential. But, uh, but Jesus and Paul seem to be teaching uh, we need the Holy Ghost and we need the gifts and we need the fruit and all those things. But what we need most is love. Because if we don't have that, what good is a prophecy if I don't love my brother? What good is giving a tongues if, if I, I can't stand the person behind me? What good is all the fruit of the Spirit and all these gifts if we can't love one another? Verse, thir- verse 3, and, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth nothing. We can have all the gifts. We can seem to be so spiritual and, and do all of these things and, and, and all these things. But it, the bottom line is that what Paul says and what Jesus says, that you can have all those things, but if you don't have love, then you're missing something. You're missing something. And I think that's what we need more than ever before is more love for one another. Now, we'll, we'll, stand, we'll all stand up and we'll all profess, I love all my brothers and sisters here. But do we talk with them? Will we fellowship with them? Oh, I love you. I love you only much it's to see you on Sunday and then I'll see you next Sunday. That's how much I love you. Do we... Do we uh, we can get lost in, in our own gifts and abilities, but if we lose the person beside us and don't care about them, what are, what are we really doing? And being devoted disciples, we have to be devoted to his word and, and obeying and, and submissive to uh, the, the spirit of God and, and allow God to use us, but we can't get caught up in all that and forget our brothers and sisters and, and not to love them. And, and again, we, we'll say that we love one another, but uh, what kind of love are we talking about? Are we talking about our love or talking about God's love? Because our love is different than God's love. God's love is unconditional. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. That is unconditional love. Uh, our love, somebody does something to us, and we don't love them anymore, at least temporarily. I'll, I'll love you again in a couple days. So there's something, there's a different love that comes through the Spirit. As A fruit of the Spirit is love, and it's not going to be our love. Our, our short, 
one-sided love, our, our conditional love, but an unconditional love that we're going to love each other regardless of what they do, regardless of what they say, if they hurt us or not. There's still, there's got to be a love. We've got to tap into the love of the Spirit for one another because that is, seems to be the key to everything, the, the key to people know that we are disciples for our love for one another. And if they come in here and they hear the preaching and the word of God, and they hear the gospel, the death, burial, the resurrection, and obedience to it, and repentance and baptism in Jesus' name, and they hear all the truth being preached, but they look around and say, man, these people really don't love each other. What good is hearing the gospel but not seeing anyone love each other? Will you stand with me today? And that is what I feel that is... Uh, is our direction for this year is to love one another. I believe so much so that if we focus on one another, if we start putting one another's needs first, uh, all, all kinds of stuff is going to happen. Uh, all, the, uh, all the carnal stuff will fall away. Why? Because it's not about my needs. It's not about uh, what I want or what I desire, my goals and my dreams and my aspirations. But if I start focusing on somebody else, and start loving them and praying for them like, like never before. What can God do with that? And so 2023 is going to be the year of one another. And if we start getting close to one another, I'll, I can't even imagine what God is going to begin to do in us. Why? Because we are one body, and we are baptized into one spirit. Uh, and so uh, if us coming together, we have to love one another in order for God to really begin to do a work with us. We all can't arrive at the end of the year. Ho well, hopefully they made it. Hopefully brother so-and-so made it. Hopefully sister made it. But I made it. Where's the love? Where's the love for one another? We can come in here and we pray for one another and we speak in tongues and we need to do that and even more so as we're praying to God and, and letting God use us. But let's not forget about the person next to us. Let's not forget about our brother and our sister because if, if we have all of this stuff and we don't have love, then we don't have anything. As Paul said, I have nothing. I am nothing. Even with his super gifted and super spiritual and all these things, one of the fruits of the Spirit is love. The first one that is mentioned is love. And that is what we need to seek after this year in 2023 is the love of God in us and through us for other people. Because... The greater love than this has no man than to lay down his life for a friend. I think that's the type of love that Jesus is talking about when he says, when, he's, when they, they, they'll know you're my disciples with the way you love one another. You're, you're willing to die for one another. That's, that's a, a love from God because that's a love that he had that he died for us while we were yet sinners. And so to stand here and say, well, I love all my brothers and all my sisters. Well, you love them so much, you'll die for them. If we won't die for them, then we're missing out on some kind of love, right? Oh, I'll pray for them and, uh, you know, just don't ask me to go out to dinner. 
I love you, but I don't want to eat with you. I love you, but I don't want to hang out with you. I'll see you at church next week, and that's how much I love you. We can't, we can't have a get caught up in everything else but miss out on love. And that is why declaring this year to be the year of one another because it's not about you, it's about somebody else. If you put somebody else's needs first, God's going to make sure your needs are met. If you're praying for somebody else all year long, that means somebody's praying for you and your needs and your growth and your hunger and your development. And, and it's all going to work together once we get beyond ourselves. You see, uh, revival is somewhere beyond our reach. It's not in my realm, otherwise... I would have it, right? And we would have it. It's not in your realm because we'd, you'd have it too, right? It's somewhere beyond the reach of all of us. And I think that may be reaching, it's through love. If we start loving one another. And so I want to uh, open up these altars today. If we, if we can come down, we're going to come down as a body. And we're going to do uh, something starting today uh, that we've made up. We've made up cards, and we've got people's names on them. Obviously, if you're a guest, we don't have a card with your name on it because you just showed up. But if you've been here before, then we have a card with your name on it. And what we're going to do this year is every Sunday we're going to come and we're going to grab a card. And we're going to pray for that person on that card. Why? They're our brother or sister, right? And I know, yeah, we, we, we all pray for each other, but that's great. We need to do that. But having somebody's name in front of you, that this is who I'm praying for this week. This is my person. And I'll, I'll never see my name because you pick up your name or your family, you put it back, and you get somebody else because it's not about us. It's about somebody else. And so we're gonna have, we'll have a, a station or a place for this. Is it, uh, Taylor, you're going to come down front? You put down to the front, and so uh, we'll we'll you'll we'll have a, a designated spot for this. But here is names of everybody that is a part of Apostolic Praise that has been here for even more than a couple weeks. Your name is going to be here because we keep attendance and keep track as best we can. And so everyone has names here. And so what it is this year we're going to do. Above and beyond praying for one uh, uh, us as a whole, as a church as a whole, but we're going to start praying individually for somebody. What Paul addressed in his uh, letters to the churches, remember he wrote to the churches, that's all the epistles, established churches. The one uh, message that it seems like he uh, was connecting uh, above all things, he kept talking about one another. Pray for one another, prefer one another, honor one another, serve one another, uh, lift up one another, encourage one another. It was all about one another. And so this is what uh, we need to do this year is we need to come together closer as a body, uh, knit through the spirit and knit through love for one another, and then let God begin to do something great in us. Because if we're all kind of scattered out, uh, but we need to come closer together through the bonds of love and begin to serve and prefer one another and pray for one another and that God's going to do something great in our lives. And God's going to touch your needs if you're praying for the needs of somebody else. 
I believe God can heal you if you're praying for somebody else's healing. God can deliver you out of your situation. If you're not praying for you, you're praying, God, deliver them. God, encourage my brother. God, lift them up. Help them, Jesus. Help me to help be there for them and to lift them up. And so what we need this year, what we need is we need one another. Because the way this world is going, the way things are turning, all we have is one another. All we have, we, our possessions can be, can be going away in a matter of a signing of a law. They can all go away for whatever reason. But this is what we have. This is who we, this is the church. You and I, we are the body of Christ. We are filled with his spirit. We are the members of the body. And so I would ask if you would, you want to come down, you want to just grab a name um, and grab one for everyone in your family. I've got uh, me and my wife and we got three kids. So we have five names in there. So we're going to take five names out. We're going to pray for five people. We pray with our kids every night, pray for needs. And they know, they know to pray for people in the church that are hurting their need. And so why not keep, teach them to pray now? Let's pray for sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so. And so if you have kids, take some for your kids too because uh, we want to have everyone praying for everyone uh, this year, even the more so because this is what it's about, right? Love for one another. Amen. As they play and sing, will you want to come and grab one uh, and maybe get, just begin to think on the Lord and let God lead you? And, and if you don't know who they are, who that name is, well, they're a part of the church. And to figure out who they are as you pray for them this year, this week. And next week you come back and you can grab another name. We'll refill them every week so that everyone's going to get touched. Everyone's going to get prayed for because it's not about me. It's about my brother and my sister. Come on, let's worship the Lord together. The year of one another. Preferring them, honoring them. My cup's overflowing. Hallelujah, Jesus.